Chapter Three of the Place Beyond the Winds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Place Beyond the Winds by Harriet Teresa Comstock. Chapter Three. The day of warmth and song and dance changed to a cool evening. There was a glowing sunset which faded into a clear, starry night. Dick Travers, encased in a heavy sweater, lingered, after the light failed, on the broad piazza facing the still purpled sky, and looked out toward the Georgian Bay, which was hidden from sight by the ridge of hill through which the fox and secret portages cut. The mood of the afternoon had fallen, as had the day, into calmness and restfulness. The fiddle, which was never far from Travers, lay now beside him on the deep porch swing, and every few moments he took it up and began an air that broke off almost at once either to run into another or into silence choppy muttered dr ledyard as he sat across the hearth from his hostess and looked now at her fair tranquil face and then at the cheerful fire of hemlock boughs he's always happiest when he's choppy helen travers smiled i wonder why i take your words as i take your pills without question you know what's good for you and so you really think there is no doubt about dick he can enter college this fall as sure as any man can be he'll always be a trifle lame probably though that will be less noticeable when he learns to forget the cane and crutch periods as for his health it's ripping for him how wonderful you have been what a miracle you have performed when i recall don't helen it's poor business retracing a hard road unless you go back to pick something up that's why i must go back dr ledyard i must tell you something now that dick's semi-exile and mine are to end in the common highway he and you must know why i have done many things will you listen from under ledyard's shaggy brows his keen eyes flashed there had been a time when he had hoped helen travers would love him he had loved her since her husband's death but he had never spoken for he knew intuitively that to do so would be to risk the only thing of which he was then sure her trusting friendship he had not dared put that to the test even for the greater hope that was why he had been able to share her lonely life in the canadian wilds she had never been disturbed by a doubt of him and this comradeship safe and assured was the one luxury he permitted himself in a world where he was looked upon as a hard and almost cruel man i do not want you to tell anything in order to explain your actions now or ever i am confident that under all circumstances you would act wisely you are the most normal woman i ever knew thank you but i still must speak more for dick than for you i need your help for him outside the fiddle was repeating again and again a nocturne that helen particularly loved dick is not my son she said quickly and softly from out the shadows she was rarely abrupt and her words startled ledyard into alertness he got up and drew his chair close to hers what did you say he whispered keeping his eyes upon her lowered face i said dick is not my son and whose is he may i ask there was a tenseness in the question now that he saw the gravity of the confession ledyard wished beyond all else to cut quick and deep and then bind up the wound he is the child of my husband and another woman 
in the hush that followed dick's fiddle running now through a delicious strain of melody seemed like a current bearing them on perhaps you had better tell me ledyard was saying and his words blended strangely with the tune yes i am sure you ought to tell me helen travers sitting in her low wicker chair did not move her delicate face was resting on the tips of her clasped hands and her long loose white gown seemed to gather and hold the red glow of the fire i suppose i have done dick a bitter wrong but at first you know even you thought he could not live and so it would not have mattered and then i-i learned to love the helpless little chap as women of my sort do who have to make their own lives as best they may he clung to me so desperately and you see as he grew older i either had to accept his belief in me or-or take his father from him they were such close friends dick's father and he and now i must lay everything low and i am wondering what will come of it all he is such a strange fellow our life apart has left him well so different how will he take it whatever her own personal sorrow was helen travers made no moan exacted no sympathy she had come alone to the parting of the ways and she had thought only for the boy whom she had mothered tenderly and successfully ledyard did not interrupt the gentle flow of her thoughts there was time he would not startle or hurry her although her first statement had shocked and surprised him beyond measure i've always thought of myself as like one of those poor asiatic hornbills she was saying it seems to me that all my life long someone has walled me up in a nice safe nest and fed me through my longings and desires i cannot get to life firsthand i'm not stupid exactly but i am terribly limited helen paused then went on more rapidly first it was my father he and i travelled after mother's death continually and alone he educated me and interpreted life for me he was a man of the world i suppose but he managed to keep me most unworldly wise of course i knew abstractly the lights and shadows but i wonder if you believe me when i tell you that until after my marriage i never suspected that that certain codes of honour and dishonour had place in the lives of those closest to me the evil of the world was classified and pigeonholed for me i even had ambition to get out of my walled-up condition and help some mystical people detached and far from my safe clean corner father left me more money than was good for any young woman and my simple impulse was to use it properly you are very young ledyard interrupted helen travers shook her head not very i was twenty-four when i married i had never had but one intimate friend in my life and to her i went at my father's death it was her brother i married john travers ledyard nodded his head he knew of the traverses the older generation this thing concerning dick occurred some three or four years before my marriage my wedding was a very quiet one it was not reported and that accounted for dick's mother elizabeth thornton not knowing of it it seems that there had been an alliance between john travers and and dick's mother and it had been terminated some time before he met me by mutual consent there was the child dick the mother took him there was no question of money there was enough for them but she had told john 
that should anything arise such as illness or disaster she would call upon him they had sworn that to each other well my own baby came a year after my marriage and died a month later when i was least able to bear the shock the call came from elizabeth thornton john had to tell me i shall never forget his face as he did it i realized that his chief concern was for me and even in all the wreck and ruin i could but honor him for his bravery and sincerity i think he believed i would understand but i never did i never shall the shock was more surprise than moral resentment i could not believe at first that such a thing could possibly happen to one of my own i felt as if a plague had fallen upon me and i shrank from every eye from every touch with the world dr ledyard you can understand i hope but john travers was not a bad man and that girl dick's mother was good yes that's the only word to use strange as it seems to me even after all these years you see she was not a hornbill she came in touch with life at first hand she took from life what she wanted she had what were to me unheard of ideas about love and the free gift of self and yet she never meant to hurt any one and she had kept herself amid all the confusion the gentlest and sweetest of souls when she sent for john she was dying and she did not know what to do about the boy she had no family no near friend i went with my husband to see her there did not seem to be anything else to do i had no feeling it was plain duty even with the touch of death upon her elizabeth thornton was the most beautiful woman i have ever seen i cannot describe the sensation she made upon me but she was like an innocent pure child who had played with harmful and soiled toys but had come wearily to the day's end herself unsullied when she knew about me she was broken-hearted she wept and called to little dick who sat in a small chair by her couch oh little son we could have managed couldn't we we would not have hurt anyone for the world would we sonny and the boy got up and soothed her as a man might have done and he was only a little creature i think i loved him from the moment i saw him shielding that poor dying mother from her own folly course mummy course he repeated over and again then he looked at me with the eyes of my own dead baby both children were startlingly like the father the look pleaded for mercy from me to them john the mother and the little fellow himself and i who had vaguely meant to help the world some day began with them just for a little time after elizabeth thorne's death i became human or perhaps inhuman i resented the wrong that had been done me i wanted to fling john and the child away from me but then a sense of power rallied me i had never tasted it before i could cast the helpless pair for me or i could save them from the world and the world's hideous pity for me i accepted the burden laid upon me i think john thought i would forget would forgive i cannot explain my sort of woman is never understood by well john's sort of man i am afraid he grew to have a contempt for me but i lived on loving them both but never becoming able to meet john's hope of me i knew he was often lonely i have pitied him since but i could not help being what i was i tried but it was no use we lived abroad for years and little dick forgot i am sure he forgot his mother 
and when I felt secure I gave him all, all the passion and devotion of my life. John died abroad. I came home with my crippled boy, came home to you. That is all. Ledyard bent and laid a handful of boughs upon the fire. The room was cold and cheerless, and the still, white figure in the chair seemed the quiet, chill heart of it all. And yet, how she had loved and labored for the boy! Was she passionless, or had her passion been killed while at white heat? And, and I suppose Dick must know? Yes, Dick must know. There was no sternness, but there was determination in the strong, even voice. Then, Helen, let me do this for you. For a moment the uplifted eyes faltered and fell away from the man's face. Very faintly the words came. God bless you. I could not bear to see him fail me. If he must fail, I cannot see him until afterward. The blaze rose higher, and the dark room was a background for that death-like form before the hearth. Ledger left the room silently, and a moment later Helen Travers heard his heavy footfall on the porch outside. Presently the erratic violin playing ceased, and there seemed no sound on the face of the earth. After what seemed hours, Hine, the guide, entered the room to replenish the fire, and Helen told him he need not light the lamps. After his going, another aching silence followed through which, at last, stole the consciousness that she was not alone. Someone had come into the room from a long window opening on the piazza. Helen dared not look, for if it were Ledyard, she would know that things were very bad indeed. Then came the slightly dragging step that she had learned to be so grateful for after the helplessness of crippled childhood. Still she did not move, nor deeply hope the boy was kind oh so tenderly kind he might only have come because he must the red glow of the fire made the woman's form by the hearth vividly distinct and toward that dick travers went as if led by a gleam through a new and strange experience he knelt by her side and for a moment buried his face against her clasped hands then he looked up and she saw only intensified love and trust upon his young face she waited for him to speak her heart was choking her you thought dear that i did not know that i had forgotten i wonder if any lonely burdened little chap could forget what came before you lifted the load and taught me to be a child oh she was so sweet such a playfellow i realize it now even though she has faded into something like a shadowy dream but I recall, too, the loneliness, the fear that she might leave me alone with no one to care for me. I can remember her fear, too, always the fear that one of us might leave the other alone. The recollection will always stand out in my memory. I shall never forget her nor her sweetness. Afterward you came and my father. Only lately have I understood all of that part of my life and yours, but I knew he was my father and I wondered about you, because I could not forget my mother. I learned to love you out of my great need, and out of yours, too. I realized now, and slowly, far too early, I saw that the happiest thing I could do for you, who had given me so much, was to seem to forget and rest only on one thought. You were my mother. Can I make you understand, mother, what you are in my life, tonight? 
he kissed the cold hands clutching his hot ones and with that touch the barrier broke down forever between them travers took her in his arms but she did not burden his young strength as the earlier mother had done even in her abandon they supported each other bravely the days that followed were busy ones dick's tutor came from new york plans were laid and there was small opportunity just then for the red rock shrine you see dick said to ledyard one afternoon i've never voiced it before it seemed presumptuous but now that i'm going to have the life of a fellow i can choose a fellow's career i want more than anything else to be a physician ledger's eyes flashed but he lowered his lids it's a devil of a life boy i think it's the finest of all no hours you can call your own never daring to ask for the common things a man cares for you see women are mostly too jealous and small to understand a doctor's demands they usually raise hell sooner or later i had a friend whose wife used to look through the keyhole of his consulting-room door a patient tripped over her once and it nearly cost my friend his practice doctors are only half human anyway and women can't go halves with their husbands dick laughed between a wife and a profession he said give me the profession besides ledyard went on you get toughened and brutal most of us drink when we don't do something worse you don't how do you know i do know and i'm sure you wouldn't let anyone else say that about your associates they're the noblest ever and you know it well we're bound and gagged and that's a fact we're not given much leeway we are led up to a case and forced to carry out the rules while we're doctors we can't be men dick recalled that years later with a bitter sense of its truth all the same if the profession will have me i'll have it and thank god when i think of well of the little cuss i was and of you why i tell you i cannot get too soon into harness i'd like to specialize too i've even gone so far as that good lord in what oh women and children principally putting them straight and strong you know oomph grunted ledyard well at the first you'll probably be thankful to get any old case that needs tinkering dick travers did not see priscilla again that summer after a while he went to the rocks and once he laid sacrilegious hands on the strange god with a longing to smash the hideous skull but in the end he left it and after a time forgot the girl he had played for even forgot the fantastic dance for his thoughts were of sterner stuff there were guests at the hill place too for the first time that year and some entertainment there were fishing and in due season hunting at which ledyard excelled and the family returned to the states earlier than usual owing to dick's affairs end of chapter three recording by nancy cochran gergen gilbert arizona